This is loudspeaker. Please don't go. I need you so. I. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Feminist Hot Dog, the podcast about finding joy through feminism and living your best feminist life. Living my best feminist life today meant closing out season four, which is a little bittersweet for me. I can't believe that this podcast is four seasons old, and I did have a guest lined up for this week, but she wasn't able to make it, and so I didn't want to not release an episode because it felt like a big milestone, so I figured I would just take the opportunity to talk with you a little bit about what Four Seasons of Feminist Hot Dog has meant to me and my thoughts about how the show has changed and how the world has changed and where we're going to go from here. So I know normally I say things like, I'm going to get out of the way and make space for the guests. And that generally is my philosophy is to really focus on the guests. I think they're the real MVPs and the stars, but I don't know. Right now, I just sort of feel like reflecting. I feel very nostalgic and reflective, and I just want to talk a little bit about what this journey has meant to me. So thanks for listening. If you have been listening to the show for a long time, first of all, thank you. And secondly, you may remember that the original reason that I started Feminist Hot Dog back in 2018 was that I was very, very depressed about the state of the world under the Trump administration and specifically what was happening with the Brett Kavanaugh Supreme Court justice confirmation hearings. And I don't think I have to tell anyone who would be listening to this show what happened during those hearings, but it was just a really depressing time to be someone who cares about women and who cares about sexual abuse and assault and believing survivors and justice and our systems and the media and you know basically everything, privilege, whiteness. I mean, there was a lot to unpack with all of that. And, you know, really none of it was good. So I was feeling pretty down, um, really down. And part of that was just looking around at my friend group and the despair that people were expressing in, in real life and on social media and just feeling like I need a place where I can be joyfully a woman and a feminist and feel good about that and not just have my identity be wrapped up in feeling like someone who wouldn't be believed, someone who would never be, you know, whose word would never be persuasive to a room full of old white men. It just really, that whole experience just was really, really difficult. And so I was in my backyard one day and I had this kind of download that I needed to start a podcast and I was going to call it Feminist Hot Dog. And I didn't know anything about podcasting. And a week later, my friend Christina Turner and I sat in my living room and using lavalier mics that <laughs> using a setup that was really not a great podcast setup, but you know, we worked with what we had. We fumbled our way through the first episode of Feminist Hot Dog and we had a lot of fun. And I think it really just opened my eyes to the 
value of like not overthinking things too much. And if you feel like you have something to say, just say it, like, don't wait until it's perfect, basically. And I maybe embraced that idea a little bit too much. If you, you know, listen to the first season, there's a lot of rough audio. There's a lot of, um, well, speaking of ums, a lot of ums that probably should have been edited out and, you know, interviews that maybe went on too long or whatever, but it doesn't really matter. Like I think about that body of work as it's like my kindergarten year with podcasting and I'm really proud of it. So yeah. And you know, the other thing that's kind of funny about that is I, I wasn't aware that joy as resistance was like a thing that has been practiced by feminists and black feminists in particular for like decades. So that, you know, and it's not like I thought I invented that and was bringing it to the people or anything. It's really something I thought I was just doing organically was doing for myself kind of unselfconsciously almost because I felt like I absolutely just needed that. And then, you know, the more I started researching feminism and talking to feminists and becoming obsessed with feminism and reading and watching and learning and following new accounts, it became really clear to me that like, this is a really amazing tool of resistance that has a long and deep history. And there's something that is, you know, being currently practiced by some really amazing people. Adrian Mary Brown wrote a book called Pleasure Activism that if you're not familiar with it, I highly recommend. Rachel Cargill has multiple platforms and really focuses on the idea of black abundance and relaxation and joy as, as being healing for black women. Another woman that I follow that I really, really love who talks about this is Ebony Janice Moore, who is a hip hop womanist and scholar, and also just a really awesome public intellectual workshop giver and speaker and just someone I super respect. So they, these are, these are three women who are, who talk about this joyous resistant concept in different ways, but in ways that have all been really informative to me. So I just wanted to mention that because I was unknowingly kind of thrust into a, a legacy of doing this that that is really rich and deep and that I continue to learn about and appreciate. So anyway, I wanted to just sort of talk about that origin story. And, you know, originally the the show had very specific segments. And one of those segments is what makes your feminist heart sing. And I haven't been using that segment the last couple of seasons. Although it's interesting because people have asked me to bring it back. And I've been thinking about how to do that because it's, you know, I always am so curious to hear what parts of the show really resonate with people. And apparently what makes your feminist heart sing really resonated with people. So, you know, that's something for me to consider going forward. And I do like that concept. And I feel like I really internalize that. Like I look for that now. I look for things that make my feminist heart sing in my day-to-day life. I try to share those things with other people. And and again, that's, I think, taps into that whole joy is resistance thing. And, and let's be mindful and notice when our hearts are singing and then gravitate toward that. Like, what is it that's making us feel that joy and that connection and that sense of community? And then, you know, more of that, please. Another thing that I have been reflecting on is that I was not 
that's particularly knowledgeable, or I guess maybe knowledgeable is not the right word. I wasn't particularly specific, I guess, about the kind of feminist that I am or that I was, because I think I'm a different kind of feminist now than when Feminist Hot Dog started. Like I said, I didn't have a particularly deep academic background in feminism. I'd always considered myself a feminist. And when I was younger, I was really active in anti-sexual assault work. And I was always a very pro-porn feminist, um, a sex positive feminist. That was part of my identity. But I didn't really know that much about the different approaches to feminism or the fact that different feminists have different projects. And, you know, I was savvy enough to know that sometimes those projects conflict and that white feminists have not done a great job historically, in fact, done a very poor job of being advocates for women at large. They tend to, you know, advocate more for the interests of middle-class white women. But I didn't have a, you know, particularly deep knowledge about what that meant. So that's been another huge learning for me and something that I really credit a couple of people with that I wanted to shout out. One is Lutzi B. Sagu, who goes by the social justice doula online. And I interviewed her at the beginning of season four. If you haven't heard that interview, I highly recommend it. Lutzi is a feminist coach, and I was lucky enough to receive coaching from her. And she really helped me think about the fact that feminism, you know, really shouldn't be an identity. It should be something that you do. What do you want your feminism to do? And how do you create the conditions in your life for you to be able to do that? That if your feminism isn't active, isn't focused on some sort of movement, then it really is a little bit hollow because you're just sort of connecting to an idea rather than putting those ideas into any kind of action. And I've just thought about that so much since I've talked with her, what do I want my feminism to do? And that is um, something that I want to share more with you toward the end of the show, because I feel much clearer on that. I mean, I think prior to meeting with her, I would have said, well, my feminism just is. I'm a feminist. So anything I do is a feminist thing to do. And I guess that might technically be true, but it doesn't, it's not very meaningful in terms of actually creating material change in the world. So I just wanted to to shout out Lucy and thank her for her guidance because it's, you know, it really brought together a lot of, tied together a lot of strings, I guess, that had I'd been following over the course of Feminist Hot Dog and was, you know, had questions about it and hadn't really been able to tie it together or gel for myself. And, and she was really instrumental in that. Another person that I wanted to shout out is Amelia Ruby, who is the host of 50 Feminist States. And Amelia has been on the podcast a couple of times. And I just really admire her because she is someone who really embodies the, the idea of like, what do you want your feminism to do? She is someone who I would say non-dogmatically lives her feminism out loud in, in a way that is, that, that makes me want to be better myself. And I learn a lot from her, not only in the way that she conducts her podcast, but also in the way that she attempts to live her life under modern, you know, hetero patriarchal capitalist white supremacist society with integrity, which is a very difficult thing to do. And she talks about her own struggles doing that and also is very open and transparent about the things that she tries to implement to basically less investment in those systems. 
And yeah, she has really been an influence on me and we've collaborated a little bit in the past, but I just think, you know, I think very highly of her and I think she's, she's another feminist that I just wanted to, to shout out as someone that I am really happy that I encountered along the way. That's another thing I just really, that really blows my mind is how many amazing people I've met who agreed to come on the show and give their time and talk with me and be vulnerable and, and share their stories and share their ideas. I, it, when I think about it, it's a huge honor. And the fact that I have had the opportunity to sharpen and shape my own thinking and my engagement with feminist scholarship through talking to these women and non-binary people has just been, you know, it, it kind of brings a tear to my eye. I feel so lucky. And it's part of why I always tell people, you should start a podcast because you'll be amazed at how much you will learn and how many amazing people you will meet. So I've talked about how much I've learned. I've talked about how the experience has allowed me to really see feminism and feminist issues everywhere. And sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing. Um, I do sometimes want to just be able to turn my brain off and take a break. It definitely feels like a lot to, to be seeing the evidence of patriarchy everywhere, but also inspiring to be seeing how people are resisting and standing up to that everywhere. So, you know, that's a mixed bag. But again, um, I think overall, really a blessing and an opportunity. The last thing that I just wanted to reflect on is that, again, if you've been around for a while, you know that I am sober. What you might not know is that I actually quit drinking the same month that I started Feminist Hot Dog. And those two things felt like a coincidence to me at the time. And looking back, I actually don't think that they were a coincidence at all. I think that basically having something that I was pouring my heart and soul and creativity into was a big part of why I was able to ultimately succeed at getting sober after trying and failing over and over and over again for many, many years. And at first, I never really talked about that on the show because it was still so raw and new and I didn't know if it was going to stick. And I was still in that phase where I was really, I didn't want anyone to know. I was really embarrassed. I thought that having a problem with alcohol was like a big, I don't know, like a mark on my character or something like that. And, you know, the over time, of course, I learned so much more about the connections between social justice and substance abuse disorder and, and the way that alcohol is marketed to women specifically. And eventually I just got so passionate about that, that I thought, you know, fuck this. Like I am definitely going to talk about it. I'm going to shout it from the rooftops. Like that this was part of my story. And I actually really do think that my feminism had a lot to do with my ability to recover. And I think that my feminism has a lot to do with the way that I perceive substance abuse disorder. Now, I don't think that it's a character flaw. I think that people get addicted to addictive substances. And some people are more able to drink moderately than others. And people who are not able to drink moderately, it has nothing to do with willpower. It has everything to do with the fact that from birth, basically, we are taught that alcohol has to go with every occasion, whether you're mourning, whether you're celebrating, whether you're bored, whether you're horny, whether you're just going to a show, like anything that you do basically is accompanied by booze. And so 
trying to moderate in, in a situation or in a culture that basically is like offering you alcohol at every single turn, that's not something that everyone can do. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with those people. It really, this is a case where we need to be looking at the, the conditions of the system around the people and not trying to fix the people themselves. So yeah, so I'm sure you've heard me talk about that a lot. And, you know, I've done a few episodes on it throughout seasons three and four. And as some of you may already know, I have co-founded with the wonderful and very talented Erin Ranta, a new business called Rever Recovery Support. And we provide meditation and movement-based programming for sober and sober curious people who want to change their lives. So I'm really thrilled about that. I think that I wouldn't be where I am today with that new business and with my sobriety without feminist hot dogs. So I, I want to make that connection and, and express gratitude to all the people who've been part of the show and all the people who've talked to me about their experiences with substance use and abuse disorder. And yeah, I just, I could not be more grateful for, you know, the change of being sober and then the other changes that that's created for me in my life. That brings me to a point about what to do in the coming seasons because, you know, my focus has really changed and getting back to what Lucy was saying about what do you want your feminism to do? I want my feminism to really focus on helping change the narrative around women and drinking. And there are a lot of fantastic people who have paved the way for this, the most notable being Holly Whitaker, but many, many others who I've talked about and linked in the various show notes for the episodes that I've done about this. But I also really want to be part of that movement. And so I'm just trying to think about, you know, when as I move this podcast forward, what do I want it to look like? Do I want to really focus more on recovery stuff? And what is my angle on that? What is it that my voice brings to that conversation? So as I'm kind of hitting pause between the seasons, that's something that I'm going to be thinking about. And I would love to hear from you because there's, there's a lot that I want to do with Feminist Hot Dog beyond talking about recovery too. I've for a long time wanted to do a little series on anti-trans sentiment and how that has developed and what it looks like in different parts of the world and how we can guard against it more here in the United States, particularly within feminism or quote unquote feminism. I don't consider anti-trans feminism feminism. And I've also been hatching a little series with my friend Anthony about queer history and music. And we weren't able to get that off the ground in season four, but I still am really interested in doing that. So I've got a lot of ideas, y'all, and I'm excited to keep going. But like I said, I am hitting pause between these seasons and taking a break to just sort of think about what I want my podcasting like to look like going forward, what I want my feminism to do and how recovery, you know, will or or won't be a part of that. So again, would love to hear your your thoughts, any thoughts that you have about being a feminist hot dog listener. Also, I'm always very, very happy to hear from you. And yeah, I'm just really feeling very full and, and grateful today to have had the opportunity to talk with you. And I hope that you've enjoyed my musings. And I think that that's really all I have to say. So signing off for season four, I love you all. And as always, love yourself and love your buns. 
until next time, goodbye. This is Loudspeaker.